You know, the goal is to have the knowledge and to not feel coerced or rushed or pressured, you know, into being on a, on a medication. There are root causes for hormonal imbalances. Welcome to the Wellness Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, and I'm excited to take you on a journey to reclaiming and reconnecting to your magic, the magic of your health, your wealth, and your soul's purpose. As a woman's wellness coach and business mentor, I've been coaching women for over 15 years, helping them rediscover their innate abilities to heal, to transform, and to manifest their deepest desires. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of inspiration and information, diving into the multifaceted approach of what it means to live to our fullest potential. Let's do this. This is a Soulfire production. Welcome back, everybody. I hope your day is off to an epic start and you are feeling amazing. I'm really excited to have you with me today because I am interviewing a powerhouse today, Abby Epstein. She creates award-winning documentaries. Perhaps you are familiar with The Business of Being Born. It debuted at the Tribeca Film Festival in 2007 with over 5 million views, an online community of over 100,000 people, and more than 10 million press imprints. It is hailed as the must-see film among parents-to-be. This documentary also inspired a book called Your Best Birth. Abby and her producing partner, Ricky Lake, are executive producers of the documentaries Breast Milk, The Mama Sherpas, and their most recent film, The Business of Birth Control, which is what we are diving into today. And it's such an important conversation to have because I really have seen so many women in my private practice that have had so many complications with the birth control pill. And it's so important that we become empowered in our bodies and learn how to ask the right questions when we are trusting our medical care providers. And I think that ultimately as a whole, this documentary and interview is really pointing out the gaps in the pharmaceutical industry and how it's really just a Band-Aid approach. So this film highlights, of course, the downsides of the pill, which is important because these are the conversations we need to be having and there needs to be a space for it. In the film, Abby is interviewing families who have lost their daughters and they are grieving. And so she really takes us through what that experience is like. And we talk about obviously after the release, there was some backlash. And so what was that like and having to work through that? Now, the film, once it comes together, of course, it's so beautifully put together and we don't see what goes on behind the scenes and the time and the effort and the hard work that goes into curating and creating something of this magnitude. So she really takes us behind the scenes and shares with us how she really deciphers and breaks down what research are we including, what interviews are we including, what stories are we sharing. And she also takes us back to really the conversation that started it all, that ignited this fire to start directing this documentary. So I'm really excited to dive in. And it's just a really important conversation to have. And ultimately, this documentary is really pointing to the lack of education women are receiving about their bodies and their health and our medical care system can do so, so much better. And if you haven't watched the documentary, you can head on over to thebusinessof.life. 
That's the business of dot life. And you can save 50% off their streaming rentals with the code wellness, Witch. so the business of dot life, and that's 50% off streaming rentals with the code wellness, Witch. and I highly recommend you dive in and watch this documentary and perhaps you will feel even more inspired to do so after listening to our interview today. So let's dive in. Hello, Abby. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. It is my pleasure to be here. Thank you. I'm so excited you're here. I'm excited to dive into our conversation today. And before we do that, I would love it if you can share just a little bit about yourself and what you do with our audience. Sure. Um, So my name is Abby Epstein, and I um, am a documentary filmmaker, and I actually started doing theater. So I'm previously a theater director and I've, I've worked a bunch, um, in Toronto. I did rent, I did the vagina monologues and actually the vagina monologues is what brought me into documentary filmmaking because I was working on that play all over the world and had an idea to document some of the movement that was happening to end violence against women So that was my first documentary. It was called V-Day Until the Violence Stops. And um, after that documentary, I made, I teamed up with Ricky Lake, who's a very popular actress and talk show host. Um, She wanted to do a documentary on midwifery and childbirth options. So we teamed up and made a movie called The Business of Being Born, which is turning 15 next year. I can't believe it. Yeah, and that was really a very seminal movie. It still is. Um, and then we made a bunch of other movies together, including a movie called Weed the People. And then most recently, our um, kind of prequel, I guess, to the business of being born, the business right. of birth control. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I love this amazing history that you've had in in the world of film. And so I would love if you can take me back to the conversation that kind of started, that kind of started it all or really ignited the fire specifically around the business of birth control and what, and what that looked like for you to start, to start creating this. Sure. You know, I mean, I think that like many, many women, um, you know, I had my own birth control journey. Mm-hmm. which started at around 19 years old. Um, and it was kind of unpleasant, especially in the beginning. Um, and it, there were definitely, you know, moments where I got derailed um, emotionally, physically. Um, uh, side effects were not well explained to me, right. you know, informed consent, but it wasn't I can't say it was something that, you know, like other people sort of like, you know, damaged me permanently in some way or, or was like so traumatic that, you know, it it became kind of a personal cause. It was more like other women where I suffered. Um, I I sort of got through and I, and, you know, but it remained, I would say almost like a little bit of, um, like a rub for me like just something like a little thorn in my side. Um, And then I was sent a book by Holly Griggs Ball called Sweetening Mm -hmm. the Pill. 
Right. And she sent me the galley. The book, ha- book hadn't been published yet in the States and said, you know, that she was really interested in making a documentary. And would this be something Ricky and I would ever look at? Because um, it was, you know, in our wheelhouse, having done the business of being born. Now, when I read Holly's book, which I read the galley on a flight between New York and L.A., and I got off the plane in L.A. and I went straight to, to Ricky, my partner's house, and I said, I, I think this is our next movie. Like, I just can't believe what I just read in her book. And I'm kind of furious. Um, and I'm putting so many dots together. I'm connecting, like, all of these things that happened to me in my romantic life, in my sexual life, in my right. hormonal life. Um, I'm connecting them now with my history with the birth control pill. Um and I just can't believe no one knows this and no one's talking about it. And I think we've, we have to lift the veil on this. And, I, you know, I think it's going to be uncomfortable and I think people aren't going to like it. And I think right. we're going to get a lot of pushback. Um, and we've been there before. So we've been there. We know that. Um, but I was kind of, you know, really, really ready to dive in. And I think if you look at the business of being born, that film was tremendously controversial when it came out in 2008, talking about home birth and out of hospital birth and criticizing the way um, OBGYNs work. But now I think, you know, that film is on the right side of history. I mean, that film has really sort of helped to propel birth culture forward into, in many ways, a place that's more humane, that has more options. You know, it sort of launched the doula profession in this country. So it doesn't scare me so much because I do feel that the business of birth control, you know, I, 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 I understand that it's an unpopular message right. to say that maybe birth control isn't like solved. Um, and it's scary for people, but I do also feel that this film will also be on the right side of history. Um, and, you know, it may take another 15 years for the world to catch up with with what we're trying to, you know, say in this movie. But I don't know. It's really felt like a, a calling, like this needed to be made as, as a service for women. For sure. Well, I'm so thankful for it because it's a conversation that needs to be had and we need to have a space for it 100%. I mean, just being in the health and wellness industry now for over 15 years, I can already see the landscape changing so much. And whereas 15 years ago, women were not interested in having this conversation with me and and talking about other options. Now I have so many women in my community reaching out being like, hey, I really want to get off the pill or I'm not feeling great or I really want to learn other options. Like now they're really coming forward asking me versus me trying to like get the message out there. So it's definitely changing, which is which is amazing. That's great. Yeah. I mean, that's great to hear because I think what we want, you know, is we want women to have options. Yes. And, you know, we don't want women to feel trapped into being on a medication or having an IUD if it's not working with their body. You know, look, if it if it is working with your body and, you know, you are fully informed and understand the full range of side effects, I mean you know, this is your choice and there is no judgment. And like, you know, everybody needs to be empowered around their own body sovereignty. 
Um, so this is not in any way about, you know, scaring women off birth control or, you know, trying to somehow like overstate the, the side effects. You know, we, the, we have no agenda in this. We have no financial agenda. We have no personal agenda. We are not religious people. We are not ideologists. Um, our films do not make any money whatsoever. In fact, we have to go out and fundraise, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to put these movies out in the world and we never make a penny from them. Wow. So there, you know, there's no agenda here except right. to say, wow, you know, th this is another vertical, we think, in reproductive justice, um, in feminism that has, uh, we've dropped the, the, you know, we've kind of like dropped the ball in a way on this, you know? Yeah. And I think other areas get more attention. Um, but this is an area that I think is, like you said, Samantha, I mean, I feel it changing, mm -hmm. especially from millennials like down, you know, anybody um, who's born, whatever it technically is in the 80s or 90s. You know, I mean, I, I really think those generations are are different. Yeah. Absolutely. I would agree. So you mentioned that there's some, there was some backlash and challenges, which I can only imagine. So <laughs> I'd love it if you can, you know, share what that looked like and what it was like yeah. navigating all of that. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because when we came out with the business of being born, I, we, I felt like every time we went on a television show or did any like PR around the movie, I would have to sort of hold my breath for the first couple of minutes because they would have to come out in this very attacking way about right him, right and it would sometimes be really uncomfortable because you know you'll see if you've seen the movie but Ricky my filmmaking partner she did have a home birth so it was like kind of a personal attack on her like you don't care about the health of your baby or you you risked the life of your baby to do this and so it was always uncomfortable with this film, The Business of Birth Control, it was super interesting because when the film first released, which was just a little over a year ago, we were not getting that reaction, actually. We were getting a very different reaction from the media for the most part, which was a lot of, you know, yes, we're ready for this message, you know? Mm -hmm. um, wow, I'm so glad someone's saying this. I've been saying this for years a lot of times we would be being interviewed on air or on radio by, you know, a female journalist and they would concur and say, my God, you know, I have the worst experience on this IUD. Right. Or, you know, they would 100% relate to the movie. Um, we had fantastic reviews of, in the movie of, from the Washington Post, you know, all the way down. Even, even WebMD gave like a really great, you know, review and... Um, notice to the movie on social media. So That's we were kind of like, wow, okay, we're like swimming along here, you know? Right. And then I think what happens is what usually happens um, is we started to get mm, people with big voices, celebrities who do podcasts, um, really promoting the movie, okay? And so as soon as <laughs> you know, as, as soon as the movie sort of hits that kind of, you know, viral yeah, inflection yeah. point, then business becomes potentially threatened, right? And then we started to see 
trolls come out. Um, we started to see, um, you know, some, I would say, like health professionals who are much more on the um, Western medicine side, you know, allopathic medicine side. Right. Um, and who are vested, let's be clear, who are vested financially in the sale of birth control pills, who are on the boards of websites that are selling them by mail, whatever it may be, right. or they're just vested professionally and they believe in hormonal birth control. They don't want it, you know, and they don't want anybody who's not an MD making a film like this. Let's say they started to sort of like rally against us and get some things actually planted in the media. And it was interesting because they tried to delegitimize the film in like very strange ways, even after, you know, going after like a fertility monitor company that had mm -hmm. made a donation to the movie, which we clearly put in the credits who right. donated to this movie because we're transparent. Right. Um, and so they tried to use that and say that somehow we were, you know, advertising for, for like they just tried all these different ways and I bet it's so it's, but it's interesting it's it's very nuanced Samantha because now I think a lot of the pushback is actually coming from very kind of I would call quote-unquote woke woke feminism right so there's it's sort of a, a progressive wokeness that is also um coming back at us and trying to sort of lump us together with anti-vaxxers and, and that kind of thing. So right. it's interesting. It's not as much the medical community as right. it was the last time around. Now it's, we're definitely getting more pushback, not from all, not from all, you know, but from some more traditionally kind of liberal media. So yeah. It's, a, it's a minefield. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I have to kind of tune it out, you know? Yeah, of course. I mean, there's only so much of it, you know, you can handle and you can take for sure. So obviously, you know, watching, it's, it's beautiful. It seems like, oh, this is just so simply put together. <laughs> but the time <laughs> and the effort and the work that goes into creating and curating something of this magnitude, you know, we don't really see it from this side. So I'd love it for you to kind of take us through that process of like, how do you decide what we're sharing, what we're not mm -hmm. sharing, who mm -hmm. to interview? Like, what does that all look like? Yeah, it's such a good question because, again, this is a massive topic. Like, I could have made a 90-minute film just on the mental health impact I of bet. hormonal birth control. Right. Because the way hormonal birth control can impact mental health is very complicated. And, you know, it's really the research is just started about five years ago. Right. coming out or, or a little longer, maybe like 2016, some of the first like major studies were released in Denmark and in Canada. And so that could have been its own film, right? For sure. So we, we had to figure out, like we had to sort of pick and choose. And I guess what we landed on was the mental health. Like, you know, we think that's a really big piece, especially because um, a lot of women start these contraceptive drugs when they're teens 
And so it's very hard to distinguish, right? What is normal teenage moodiness? Totally. Right. And what is the, the, the drug? So that we felt like was very important. Um, the other thread that we felt we had to put in, because in the early days when I was talking about this movie, you know, as a white woman of privilege, I have my own experience with medicine, doctors. For sure. And when I would talk about this with women of color, they would always say in the beginning, oh, you know, this is a very specific wound for women of color, a very specific wound. And I would say, oh, I didn't realize that. So I dove into that research and that um, we felt was very important to include in the movie. So we include some of the history of how these drugs were, you know, first tested on women of color um, in Puerto Rico, where the pill was tested on poor women, um, Puerto Rican women. All the way through, we really show um, that there is a racism that has to do, right, with um, wanting certain people to have babies and certain people to not have babies. <laughs> so yeah. there are very, very racist roots tied to eugenics um, and that carry on to today. A lot of women of color uh, are much more pressured by providers to be on a long-acting contraceptive, um, like an implant, you know, or a right. shot. So we, we wanted that thread in the film. The history, I think, is really fascinating. And you really have it to is. understand the history to understand what's happening today um, with pharmaceutical marketing. Um, the other thread, of course, we wanted to, to sort of put in was just the whole idea of menstrual suppression. Because most people don't understand that the pill, you know, and these products suppress the menstrual cycle completely. Right. So we wanted to have that in. That's included. Um, Another big story in the movie is among the range of side effects, which people don't like to talk about, is um, blood clots and pulmonary embolisms, which can be fatal. So we do follow in the movie a group of parents who have all lost um, their daughters to pulmonary embolisms from using uh, products like the NuvaRing and certain brands of pills, um, which have a much higher risk of a blood clot than older generations of pills. So, you know, again, Samantha, that could have been its own movie. I could have made a 90-minute movie just on the parents trying to seek justice for the deaths of their children and trying to change the labeling on these products, right? And then I guess the last piece in the movie that we wanted to put in is, you know, sort of some idea of what is the future, right? So what what is the trend? If there is this movement away from endocrine disrupting chemicals, away from menstrual suppression, what is the answer? So we don't have a silver bullet, unfortunately, but we do try to show you know, that there has been over the past couple of years, this explosion in what we call femtech um, here, which is technology that assists in, you know, reproductive health care. And so we look at some of the tracking apps and the fertility awareness method as a method of contraception 
which has not until recently been widely accepted (laughs) um, by medicine. So, you know, that's, I think those are kind of like the main pieces of of the movie um, and Mm -hmm. what we, you know, chose to put in. But it is very subjective. Like one of the, um, one of the, the studies, some of the studies that we came across that, I don't know, were very mind blowing to us and actually relates to my own life. Right. was this idea of the pill changing who you're attracted to. Yes. And that it can actually sort of affect your pheromones, pheromones that you give off and pheromones the way you smell a potential mate. That has actually happened to me and happened to many women that I know. And so there have been studies done, you know, showing. So it's interesting because we chose to put that in the movie because we heard so much anecdotal reporting. And like, just for example, I did a media interview a few weeks ago where I was challenged that that was controversial and kind of more wellness influencer garbage and that it wasn't backed up in studies, you know? And I just said to the journalist, I've read the studies, you know, and it's happened to me personally. And, you know, those are subjective judgments. Like, I I don't feel like I put anything in the film scientifically that is very controversial. I really don't, you know, I really didn't. Um, There are areas that are, are murkier, right. About, because we don't have the studies. For sure. Right. So, I mean, I didn't want to be fear mongering and put stuff in the movie about, all kinds of cancers that potentially, you know, birth control pill can can contribute to because I understand that there is a lot of debate in the literature about how much does it increase your risk of breast cancer. Right. But then this study says that it, you know, prevents ovarian cancer. So I didn't even touch that. You know, I really tried yeah. to stay away. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's subjective. It's like you, I have to look at what are the pieces that I felt were most kind of important you know, relevant and informative and include them. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a very similar story too, especially with my partner and when I was on the pill and then when I came off and how that started to shift for me and my connection to my partner at the time. Yeah. Absolutely. I went I went through very similar and, you know, thinning hair, hair loss, migraines, headaches. I didn't really experience like the mood Mm-hmm. issues and disorders per se, or anxiety or depression or anything like that. Um, but more so, and again, going back to what you said, like it's hard to decipher as a teenager, yeah. <laughs> as your hormones are kind of all over the place and, you know, am I moody because of the pill or am I moody because I'm just, I'm 17 right now and this person's not paying attention to me or, right? Yeah. So um, absolutely. And I also think it's important to note that you may be, let's say on the pill or, you know, on the patch or the ring or whatever you're on, and you may not necessarily notice like, you know, a real downshift in mood. Okay. Right. But you may also have something that has a scientific name, which I'm going to butcher and can't remember at the moment, but you may notice more of like a, like a bluff feeling almost kind of like a, like a flat lining. Right. And so what a lot of women will report is that when they were on, you know, the contraception, they quote unquote, didn't notice. Right. Yeah. But then maybe after they came off, off. 
Yeah. What they describe, and I love these metaphors, is it's almost like somebody turned the color down in their life and then the color came back. Or their life was like a two-dimensional drawing and then it became 3D. And the reason that that happens, and Dr. Sarah Hill explains this so well in her book, uh, This Is Your Brain on Birth Control, Control. the book yeah. she wrote, and she explains it so, so well. It's because you need your hormones to interact, to, to be able to, to see the world in 3D, to be able to have like a fully 3D experience. You need your own hormones firing on those receptors in your brain. And what the birth control pill does is shuts the, all those endogenous hormones off. So it makes sense. So it's kind of interesting, you know, like some women notice that, um, you know, they go off and suddenly like, they're interested in putting on makeup again, or they're interested in working out or listening to music or like, it can be very, very simple, simple shifts, yep. you know, that, that may not be like dramatically apparent. And you may just be so relieved to not have to worry about getting pregnant that that relief like overshadows any of those things. Right. But it's a very interesting phenomenon because it's almost like you can't identify the shift until it's like retroactive. Totally. Yep, absolutely. And I can totally relate to that myself. Okay, ladies, I quickly want to chat about magnesium, a very hardworking mineral that just doesn't get the attention it deserves. And so many of us are deficient in this mineral. It plays a key role in over 800 different chemical reactions in the body, and it's involved in everything from DNA synthesis, energy production and metabolism, to muscle strength, nerve function, heart regulation, and even bone building. It's also really important to alleviate constipation if that's currently something you're dealing with. It's also a fantastic mineral that helps with stress, anxiety, as well as sleep. I love using the magnesium biglycinate from Canprev. I currently take 400 milligrams before bed. You may need less or a little bit more, something you'll want to play around with. If you find that you are constipated, you may need a little bit more of a higher dose. And if you are dealing with a lot of PMS symptoms and cramps, you also might want to take a little extra magnesium during that specific time in your cycle. I love the Canprev magnesiums because they come in multiple forms. You can take it in capsule form, liquid form, or even powder. So head on out to your local health food store or even search for Canprev products online. You can head on over to their website, canprev.ca, and check out all the amazing magnesium options that they have available. It is officially pumpkin month. I love this month so much because it's Halloween month and it is just my favorite day ever. Now, of course, we're heading into the fall season and the colder weather that I'm not looking forward to, but all things pumpkin spice, I am so excited by. If you haven't tried the Organifi Pumpkin Spice Gold, it is delicious. It's going to promote a more restful sleep. It supports the immune system and it is super creamy and delicious and full of those fall spices. Now, what I love to do is add it to my pumpkin pie smoothie recipe. And maybe you've made this recipe from my book, The 30 Day Hormone Solution, but this is basically what I do. I add two cups of raw milk with a third cup of pumpkin puree 
half of a frozen banana, one scoop of the Organifi vanilla protein powder with a little bit of almond butter, some hemp seeds in there. And then instead of adding in cinnamon and ginger and pumpkin pie spice, I add in a scoop of the Organifi gold in pumpkin spice. And it is delicious. It is such a great way to start your day. And especially as the weather gets a little bit colder, it's so great to have those warming spices. So make this recipe today. Get your hands on the gold pumpkin spice as well as the vanilla protein from Organifi. And you can save 20% off your entire purchase with the coupon code wellnesswitch. So head on over to OrganifiShop.com forward slash wellnesswitch and you can get your shop on. Check out all their amazing products. And again, that code is wellnesswitch for 20% off your entire purchase. It's so interesting because I think like the biggest thing that the film is really pointing to is the lack of education. Like women just don't no, and it's not it's not their fault. I mean, you know, I think about myself at 17 and going to the doctor's office and all well, my friends were on the pill and they seem to have these quote unquote regular cycles and easy breezy. So why can't I? I'm, I want to go on it too, right? Like I no one ever taught me body literacy and really truly sat me down and taught me about my cycle and warned me about side effect. Like, no, it was like, oh, sure. Your friends are on it. You're having some issues with your cycle. Sure. Here's the pack. Right. And out the office I walked and started it that day. So it's, yeah, the lack of education. And it's also so wild, like how many women you ask throughout the film of just like, you know, do you know why you're on it? Or did your doctor ever talk to you about it? And there was just this like, veil of no just no just kind of handed it to me or you know like there was just like oh there's more to this it's like they they just really didn't know and um that conversation is changing now thank god and that's why it's so great that we have access to your film and so many great resources and I love that you highlighted just so many different MDs and NDs and so many great and authors in in the film that people can go and get all these great resources from to really start learning. So thanks for that. Oh, yeah. And I think that's incredibly huge what you bring up. I think this, you know, whole issue of body literacy is so dire. I mean, it's nobody is learning anything. It is absolutely astounding. You know, how many, we did a, um, we were doing a podcast the other day and the host was 43 and she's just trying to conceive. And she said like, I'm so embarrassed. Like me and my husband just, uh, we didn't, we didn't even know. We thought we could get pregnant every day of the month and I'm 43 years old. Like uh, she said, it just, it's, it's mind blowing that like we are learning literally how fertility and how like a menstrual cycle works. And I think that's a big point we raise in the film, right? It's that like, if you can be teaching young women about their menstrual cycle from an empowerment lens, yes, not from a contraceptive lens or just about, you know, fertility, it's like, yes, of course you do have a cycle because, you know, the human body is built to procreate. Okay. Yeah. 
Yes. But, you know, there's other lenses to look at the cycle. And that, yeah. I think, is what is so, like, sorely, sorely lacking. I mean, it's really just criminal. Um, so we're trying to do our part to kind of remedy that as best we can with making, you know, our film more available in, like, college campuses and then what we're in the process of doing right now, we've just started launching is we took, you know, the hundreds of hours of interviews we did with all of these hormonal health experts, and we've broken them into a nine part masterclass series that really covers, you know, more topics in um, dives in a little bit deeper. So, you know, we're hoping that maybe that can help if somebody sees the movie and says, wow, I was, you know, didn't get any education in this. And I want to share this with my daughter, my sister, that they can go in and like, you know, participate in the masterclass and get like a full, you know, full scale education on this. Um, Because it is, it's just, it's just shocking, right? Yeah. How little we are taught. Absolutely. I was at a, this is a couple of years back. I was presenting to this room of like 16, 17 year old girls. And, um, they were actually a a girl's hockey team and we were talking about digestion. We were talking about our cycles and just the level of discomfort that they had on their faces and in their bodies. And also the parents were there in the room too. And so for me, I was just like, okay, this is so challenging to navigate right now, but you could see them really leaning in and wanting to know. And for me, I was just like, this is such an opportunity to take this conversation and hold it in a space where there's no parents. And they can just feel comfortable asking the questions without judgment from who, you know, their parents and elders being there. But like the fact that that's not they don't even have that is just so heartbreaking. Like even in the school system, you know, like I know growing up, like they didn't separate the girls into a room and explain, you know, that we were sitting in a classroom with the boys and it's uncomfortable. <laughs> and it's just like, we can do so much better. I know. I agree. I completely agree. And, you know, one kind of interesting thing that's happening and, you know, it, it, is that this TikTok phenomenon that has taken hold. <laughs> yes. Um, it's kind of interesting because I see a lot being shared on TikTok. Um, I see, you know, a lot of, you know, I'm not saying it's all good information or maybe right. some misinformation, but I do see like, for example, you know, people have taken clips of the business of birth control and put them up on TikTok and said, I'm watching this movie and this happened to me. And, you know, so I, I find that at least there's more freedom of information so that, you know, I do, I do see another good trend, which is that, um, a lot of young women, when they do start their menstruation, they are using these period apps because they all have phones. So I think the tracking apps, at least, you know, it's sort of like a step one and, gives them some information and then, you know, 
like in my generation, I don't know, you'd have to go to the library and check out a book from like the 50s. I don't even know where you would like find, you know, now at least like anybody who is curious can at least find some information out there, but um, it's more accessible now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know what, what they're finding, but <laughs> that's another yeah. <laughs> you know, question. Absolutely. So yeah, and it is it is very interesting because it's like there's kind of a um I would say what I've noticed more is that, and I've noticed this like for a long time, and I'm sure you have too, but there's something happening where I think there's an increased interest, right, all around in what we would call integrated medicine, I don't know what it's called in Canada, or just alternative medicine, whatever you want to call it. I think, you know, people are opening, have been opening up to these modalities more and more and more, right? Like, I don't think like taking a supplement right now is like mainstream, right? Right. Like people aren't like scared of supplements or the way they they might've been. And I, I almost think that it's like, there's almost like, like two schools of information out there right now. Um, and I think that is what's kind of very confusing. Um, and at least in the United States, I think the wall between those two modalities, like Eastern and Western, if you want to call it, or allopathic and, you know, integrative medicine is getting more, um, hostile, And I think that's because of COVID and vaccinations. I think that has really upped the ante and people feeling that. But, you know, that's what what I find, let's say, disheartening is that, um, you know, like somebody was, somebody may hear, right, to get their hormones tested, you know, let go get some hormone testing. You can do it through blood. You can also do dried urine testing. Mm-hmm. It can tell you a lot about hormone levels, whatever. And then that same person will go to their OBGYN and the OBGYN will look at them and say, what are you talking about? Right. Your hormone levels fluctuate every day. Yeah, it's That's just a waste of time to test hormones. And so you're kind of left, right? Totally. With like yeah, being not knowing who to believe. And so we're in this weird time where I just feel I'm, you know, yes, yes, you have to trust doctors, but you also have to advocate for yourself because you have to remember that these doctors, you know, are extremely, extremely important in, in many scenarios, right? Um, but they're trained in a certain way and they're trained Mm -hmm. to think a certain way and they have a certain amount of education and they are lacking a certain amount of education. And so it's, you know, it's sort of falling on us, right. Yeah. To kind of bridge that gap. And I wish like, this is what I see. And I hope, I mean, I, I just wish there was like more of a collaboration Totally. because I think that like naturopaths have so much to offer. Yeah. They really do, especially with hormones and hormonal health. And I think hormonal health coaches have a lot to offer and period coaches or, you know, whatever is in the field. And I, and I just wish that there wasn't such a threat and this sort of yes. hostility, you know, be- yeah. between the two. Because yeah. I, I think it does a disservice to women's health all around. 
Absolutely. Yeah. There needs to be a more collaborative effort for sure. 100%. And I think one of the biggest things that you've also highlighted overall is just the pharmaceutical industry as a whole. Yeah. Right. And it's actually so interesting how many people don't see the pill as a medication. Yes. It's, it's interesting. There's, there's a bit of a disconnect there, right? Yes. It's, yeah. So. Yes, because it's not treated as such. It's, you know, about to be over the counter. You can get it in the mail. It's like candy. You just pop this little pill in your mouth every day. It is absolutely a hundred percent not treated like a medication and there's no real screening around it. Really no screening, no vetting. Right. Done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So it is, it is, um, and again, it's like, I don't want to discredit, you know, the role that the pill has played in helping women, you know, achieve equality in the workplace, among other things. I think historically, you know, some of these advances were really groundbreaking for women before women had access to any kind of fertility planning. But I also think we have to keep in mind that that was 60 years ago. Right. And it is, the pill has not evolved. Mm-hmm. It has not evolved. It has different formulations. Right. There are different delivery methods. You can get a ring and a patch and a, it is all the same, exactly the same um, device in a sense. Like it's, it's right. the exact same biomarker that it's working on. Yeah. It's all the same. It's shutting down your menstrual cycle, your hormones and replacing your hormones with chemical hormones. It's, you know, mind boggling to me that, you know, we're putting pig hearts and human beings and, you know, doing all these insanely, complicated things with science and you really still cannot figure out how to stop a sperm from getting to an egg. Like the only way to do that is to shut down a woman's entire endocrine system. Right. It doesn't seem fair. And, 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 you know, and the gender disparity is also really unfair when you have one sex that's fertile 365 days a year. Yep. And another sex that's fertile six days a month, right? Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. The whole thing to me, it's, it's, it, it's, it's ready. It's ripe for a reexamination here. Yeah, 100%. So speaking of the NuvaRing, I mean, as a director and you're interviewing these families, you know, who are grieving and have lost their daughters, I mean... What was that experience like? Yeah, I mean, the experience actually goes much deeper than you'll see in the movie um, because working with these families and understanding not only what they went through, right, personally losing a child, but imagine like losing a child by something that was preventable preventable. Okay. So there was no reason that their daughters ever needed to be on, right. A a new ring. Well, I mean, one of them was actually prescribed it for like an ovarian cyst, you know, the other, like they're all different reasons. And then you're 
you go through this, you have to go through your guilt and your grief, right? Of why didn't I know? But then you try to stop this from happening to someone else's child. Mm -hmm. And as you go down the rabbit hole of trying to get justice and inform, you realize that there's no way. The way that the drug companies have, you know, partnered (laughs) with federal, you know, drug oversight is they are in bed together. And I think we all saw this with the opiate epidemic, right? How that was allowed to destroy so many lives um, and the lies that drug companies told, you know, to keep pushing, pushing, pushing these um, deadly addictive drugs. So this is like, you know, that's to me, it's like the biggest pain. It's sort of like, you know, your message is not welcome. These parents go to obstetrical conferences and try to tell their stories and nobody wants them there. Nobody wants to hear from them. Mm -hmm. People want to pretend that their children are outliers, you know, that, and it's, it's really, really awful. And I think, you know, one of the mothers in the movie, Karen Langhart, she was kind of one of the leaders of this whole parent group. Um, her daughter, Erica Langhart, died at 24 from a pulmonary embolism from the Nuvering. And again, Erica is somebody who was more than healthy, beyond healthy, didn't have any of the risk factors that you hear about. You know, under 35, non-smoker, super healthy, not obese, no clotting disorder in her blood. You know, nothing that would put her in that category. Right. Um, And they had thought for a while that they were going to get maybe a day in court. You know, and as we explain in the film, there is no day in court because Mm -hmm. there's nobody who can afford, no lawyer can afford to go up against Big Pharma. So Big Pharma just pays out, right, these class action lawsuits. Yeah. Anyway, I think the journey was so painful that um, some point during the filming, you know, Karen took her life. Um, and it was honestly so shocking, mm. so shocking for us and so horrible. And I think it just was we actually had it in the film at one point. We had it in an early cut of the film where we had her suicide as part of the story. And then um, we just was just too difficult to keep in the movie. It really, like, I think pulled people out too much. It, it was just so devastating. And, um, you know, you can't imagine a stronger woman. She was out there fighting, going to every OBGYN conference, raising her hand, challenging studies on the Nuvering. I mean, she was our, you know, I don't know. She was our light. She was our torch. Yeah. We were just, and then she, she was, she just was gone. And she, really couldn't take it anymore. And um, she wanted to give, you know, her her life insurance to studies and donate money posthumously to have studies be done. I mean, it was so, so tragic. I can't even wow. tell you, Samantha. And it's like, that's the level, you know, that's the thing that people don't see. Mm-hmm. It's like the ripple effect of one of these tragedies. For sure. Um, and... You know, and we have so many stories that obviously we don't show in the film. We have some of them in the master class, right? But 
of let's say women who who were lucky enough not to die yeah. from their blood clot or pulmonary embolism, but then they had a stroke. They are now disabled people right. for the rest of their life. So they're living right with injuries um, from strokes, from blood clots. Again, you don't hear these stories because right. they are gag ordered as part of their. Um, you know, claims, their lawsuit payouts from the drug companies. So it's a, this is a, you know, an extremely, like, extremely tricky area, right? Because those families deserve to have their stories told. For sure. And then when you tell their stories, like we did, you know, some of the more pharma-backed media will come after you and say, oh, this is manipulative. Right. Oh, the risk of this is 0.01% or something, you know? Yeah. But I think what we talk about in the movie about risk is that any pharmaceutical product. Yeah. Right? That is that is extremely personal, you know? And what's interesting about the history of the birth control pill, which we show, is that at some point along the way, they made a decision you know, at least the FDA here in the States made a decision in a way that the risk was sort of worth it as far as like what this brought to greater, you know, humanity in terms of population control or whatever their, you know, agenda was that they're saying those risks are worth it. Now, when you're going on that pill, when you're reading that pill packet and we show one of the mothers who lost her daughter she opens that crazy pamphlet, right? That opens like a roadmap. And to this day, even though it happened to her daughter, she can barely read the language on the label. I mean, come on. You know, it's just, to me, it's, I think they've been allowed to get away with murder. I really do. For sure. And I think that the, um, you know, the families, it's like, it was very hard for them to participate in the movie. It's extremely painful. But I also feel in at some point they feel like they owe it to their, you know, children because right. they have to somehow make, you know, their lives mean something. They have to. They all are very consumed with this idea of not letting it happen to anyone else's child. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's devastating for sure. So I'm assuming that there's no changes in legislator or anything since the film has come out. Um, no, the only thing that's really happened in, in this country is they've definitely made, I would say, more birth control more accessible by like offering more, you know, telehealth through the mail, over the counter you know, getting the pill without a prescription. I think it's more been, um, there have been changes in the way you can like access Access, the drugs. Right. Yeah. Right. But nothing with regard to safety. No. Yeah. Which is so unfortunate. So what is really your hope for everybody that tunes in and watches? You know, my hope is honestly just what you touched on earlier, Samantha, which is really just enhanced body literacy and awareness. Um, it's really about awareness. And I don't, I don't, 
think that anybody needs to like see the movie and like, you know, quit whatever birth control they're on if they feel good on it. Um, You know, then again, I think even if you feel good on your birth control, there are things that you can do to counterbalance like certain nutrient depletions that are happening in your body, right? Right. So even if you're taking the pill and you're like, I feel great on this, wonderful. But you could still, you know, supplement some vitamin B. You could supplement some folate. You could do things to sort of maintain, you know, your health so that when you do transition off, right, these drugs. So there's, I I think there's always, um, whether you're on hormonal birth control or considering it or had a bad experience with it or looking for alternatives to hormonal birth control, right? It's like wherever you fall on the spectrum, I feel like this movie, there's no way that it can't open your eyes to something in some way um, that will just help you like make a decision either for yourself, for your child. Um, I so wish that there was like a silver bullet at the end of the movie that we could say when we've solved it, you know, now we have this and everybody can use this for, for contraception. But I do think that, you know, knowing is everything. And I, and I think that when I was 19 and was prescribed the birth control pill for an irregular cycle, if I knew even a tenth of what I knew now, mm-hmm. um, I would have a hundred percent said thanks, but no thanks. No thanks. That's kind of the goal. You know, the goal is to have the knowledge and to not feel coerced or rushed or pressured. You know, into being on a on a medication and to be able to have conversations that are like, well, you know, even if it's with your doctor, what are non-hormonal methods? Because there is a non-hormonal IUD that seems to work very well for some people, the copper IUD. Um, Not for everyone, but, you know, if you're looking to avoid hormones, it's definitely an option. And and there are other options as well. Um, They're not talked about as much, but there are other options. So, I mean, I think it's just opening that conversation. Yeah to be able to, to, to say, and, and also I think, you know, another big goal of the film is just to look at the fact that there are root causes for hormonal imbalances. And I think that, you know, up to at least 35, they're saying percent, about 35%, maybe higher, um, of women who are on hormonal contraception are not on it to prevent pregnancy. They are on it to manage period pain or, you know, bad cycles or endometriosis or PCOS. Right. And those conditions, which are becoming much, much more prevalent. Yeah. Those conditions are temporarily um, relieved by taking the pill. Right. There is a symptom suppression that happens where you do get relief from symptoms, which I understand is incredibly important. Yeah. But it is not a solution. It is not a cure and it is not addressing the root cause of your hormone imbalance. So that's another really, really big piece, you know, of this movie that I really want women to have better health care 
and to have more research. And endometriosis affects as many people as diabetes in this country. Mm-hmm. And yet it is funded at about, you know, a dollar, like, you know, per, where diabetes is funded at like a hundred times that. So right. if one in 10 women have endometriosis, why aren't we researching this? Why are we just throwing everybody on hormonal birth control? Right. Um, it's not, it's not good healthcare. And, you know, women deserve better all around, I think. And I think that I'm hoping that the film starts since we don't have our silver bullet. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that the film starts more of a movement and inspires more people to ask, you know, to ask for innovation. Yeah. To say, we want options for men and we want more non-hormonal options for women as well. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I do love near the end of the film, the, that class that's happening. There's the woman there, legs spread and showing her cervix. And then yes. they're like, you know, and then there's all the women there watching. And then they ask like, okay, now who else is interested in looking at their cervix? And like all the women's hands go up and I'm like, oh, I love it. I love I that. I love that scene. I know that is Pamela Samuelson. And she does these, um, cervix, uh, self-cervical exam workshops, and she's incredible. And I'm so appreciative she allowed us to film her and film that class because I agree with you. It's like, that's, you know, kind of a touchback, right? To like almost the second wave feminism. It's like a touchback to like where women were doing like in the seventies, you know? And now there's this inclination to be sort of back in touch with the body in the same way which is, I think, amazing. Absolutely. I agree. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And for the work that you're doing, it's just so incredible. What's next? (laughs) Projects. What's the next documentary? (laughs) I know the business of menopause, right? We're looking at that. But um, yeah, and I also just wanted to tell, and I'm sure you can post this when you post it, but we're definitely providing you with a wellness switch 50% off like streaming code. Amazing. Yeah. So anybody who's listening to the podcast and anybody in your community, they can use the wellness switch code, um, you know, and stream the film for 50% off. So lovely. Thank yeah. You so I that. And that's just by that. going to the business of dot life. Yep. Or okay, the business of birth Okay. Either the business of birth or the business of dot life. And you just click rent the film and then you put in your code wellness, switch, and it will Amazing. automatically give you 50% off, um, streaming. So yeah, we're doing that because we are distributing the movie. We don't have a big, you know, Netflix or any company behind this. We right. are doing it ourselves and trying to really make it accessible so um, we're relying on word of mouth, really. You know, we're just mm-hmm. relying on podcasts and people sharing and For sharing. Sure. So, and then yeah, I don't. Next, we're well, we're trying to get this masterclass up. We have almost six of our nine episodes live. Amazing. Um, yeah, and if people are interested in joining the masterclass community, it's the same links, the same website. Um, yeah, thebusinessofbirthcontrol.com. And then, um, I don't know, we're looking at a couple projects right now. So I don't awesome. know, nothing like to announce yet, but 
stuff is still swirling, but we're, we're still really, um, you know, working on the release. We, we are kind of now rolling the film out in Europe where we're having a much easier time, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> There's much less, you know, I would say politicization and just kind of like this sort of binary thinking around right. women's rights and politics. So we're premiering at a human rights festival in Berlin in the fall. And awesome. so, yeah, our European and our global rollout is still Amazing. happening. Yeah. That's great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. And we will put all of the links and resources in our show notes so that women can access everything. Thank you again. Amazing. Thank you, Samantha. My, My pleasure. pleasure. Thank you everyone for being with us today. I really hope that you are going to dive into the business of birth control and watch this documentary tonight. Head on over to thebusinessof.life. Use the coupon code wellnesswitch and that will save you 50% off streaming rentals. I'd love to hear from you over on Instagram at Holistic Wellness Witch. That's right. It's now changed to Holistic Wellness Witch. No longer Holistic Wellness Foodie. Come connect with me there if you had any aha moments um, or anything you'd love to chat about. I'd love to hear from you over on Instagram. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is such an important interview to share with the women in your life. So please share this and pass this along to friends, family, whoever it is that you feel can benefit from this conversation. Thanks so much for being with us. I'll chat with you all next week. Have an amazing day.